All right, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. We're about to have some very difficult conversations. I hope you're sitting comfortably because it's about to get uncomfortable. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. We hope you're sitting comfortably because this is about to get uncomfortable. Don't wave my hands too much, why? Oh, okay, all right, because we gesticulate a lot, don't we? Just stay away from the mics. All right, are we ready? I'm ready. Yeah, mate. good, you were born ready, weren't you? Of course. You have some badges on your, would you call it a lapel on a, on a, on a T-shirt? Um, no, it just says my shoulders, isn't it? Yeah, so, Josh, <laughs> how, long have we been, how long have we been doing this podcast? Three years, over three years. And probably for about 2.75 of those years, we've been talking about having co-hosts on, right? Yeah. And now we do it two weeks, two sessions in two a row. Two sessions in a row. Delighted to uh, have our good friend, Ed Jennison, join us. I lost my teeth there for a second. Ed, <laughs> welcome, mate. Thank you very much, Hast. Great to be here. Yeah. Why should we, are we starting by, why don't you tell us who you are? Uh, who's um, hosting today? Sorry, who's hosting? <laughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah. Is it me? Sorry. Ed, why don't you tell us who, <laughs> who you let are? Let me let Hass ask you who you are. <laughs> um, who am I? Okay. Well, I am a lawyer. I am 43 years old. Uh, I've got a family who I care deeply about. Um, and I am sober. I am a little bit spiritual. Um, I've got a very good friend and coach who is Mr. Josh Connolly sitting yeah. next to us today. Yeah. Um, you. That's enough, mate. Yeah. Wow. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could talk all day about myself. It's my favourite subject, actually. Oh, brilliant. Well, there'll be lots of opportunity <laughs> today. Um, just for our listeners, I think um, one of the things that Josh and I talked about, you know, way back when we were thinking about doing this is that we wanted co-hosts rather than guests, right? So you're joining us today as just one of us. We're going to have a chat. And much like, you know, the Social Matters crew, it's really just diving into us a little bit and then, you know, diving into some topics that we... Uh, want to talk about and I think we've got some good stuff today. yeah difficult conversations that's what we're all about um, but as usual we always do start with a check-in um, so Josh I'm going to go over to you mate I was thinking about my check-in on the way in yeah um, I'm tired today I feel very tired because I've had like this amazing like if I go back the last seven days I'll say this as quickly as I can we took the kids to Disneyland this weekend yeah and it was like the most amazing weekend probably of my life I took all six kids me and my wife and there was once upon a time when that was only ever a pipe dream I used to think about how amazing it would be to take the kids never thought I, and, and it was just like something I'll never ever do and I had a bit of a moment on the Saturday night when we was watching the fireworks around the castles where it's like fucking this is it you know you're always chasing feeling like you want to get somewhere but like that is it I'm there in those moments I'm there um, so that was like an amazing weekend, but of course it was very sort of tiring as well. And then I'm straight back in the deep end on since Tuesday. But then I think you'll both understand this, but I know Ed will really understand this. My daughter, who's nearly 17, she went to a, a concert last night in Bristol um, and needed a lift home. And it's about a 50 minute drive from where I am. And so I drove and picked her up at like quarter to 11 at night, ended up getting home at midnight. And I'm sat in the car outside Bristol and I had another like real moment where I'm like, I'm a dad that my daughter can rely on. Like her and her mate went to this concert and they, she knew and I was able to pull up there and I said, I'm out the front, wait till it finishes and then come out and I'll be, you'll, you'll find me here. And like, I was nearly crying sat in the car, just thinking my, my kids have got a dad that they can rely on. They, they got a dad that they know that they can ring and I'll be there. And as tired as I knew it was going to make me, and as much as I was thinking I could really do without this, the other big part of me was driving there thinking, this is the fucking dream for me. Do you know what I mean? So I feel tired, but very, very good. Grateful. Very grateful, man. Yeah. Very good. And it's my my sobriety birthday is, is on Sunday, yeah, so. Oh, God. It's, be, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, so I get very, a near 11 years I'll be oh. on Sunday. So I, I do become more reflective in general, in this sort of period of time. But yeah, man, 
it you, keeps getting better. But you didn't reflect on what you'd look like with that snapback <laughs> on today, did you? You didn't, you didn't reflect in the mirror. And so I, I bought this hat in a, at an airport on the way to Paris, yeah. And uh, obviously my kids were taking the piss out of me when I put it on. Leah said it looks really good, you know, it's nice. And then my daughters just kept doing these videos of me. And then I'd look over and they'd go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so mate yeah I'm feeling very good anyway I'm very 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 grateful about that yeah brilliant Ed yeah I thought about this Hass, Um and I thought the best word to describe how I'm feeling actually is buzzed now what do I mean by that I mean that um, I am literally like riding the quest, crest of a wave in terms of my life at the moment everything is going brilliantly from a work perspective I've just had six months at my new firm and you know my new firm is um uh it's a really really brilliant brilliant place to work uh, and be part of and we'll get into that a bit later on i'm sure uh the connections that i've got in my life are as as deep as they've ever been i've got some fantastic relationships with people uh whereas before i used to spread myself very very thinly across lots and lots and lots of different people i don't do that anymore i understand what's important to me. There's a small number of people that are important to me. And, um, I, you know, I get real, uh, uh, I get a lot from that, real value from that. Uh, last weekend, um, uh, celebrated my mum and dad's 50th wedding anniversary. We went away for the weekend. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was great. And, and, and again, you know, being there, I'm, I've not had a drink now for uh, over four years. Uh, you know, I was the one that was doing uh, all the driving, um, or at least half of the driving, because there was uh, the need for two cars. Uh, and it's little things like that, little, little moments like that. When I stopped drinking four years ago, um, it was actually about five years ago that, that I first stopped, I, I, I thought that's it now. I mm. thought I'll exist. I'll be pretty cheesed off most of the time. And, you know, um, if I lose a bit of weight because of it, then, then great. But I never, ever, ever thought that my life would get even a bit better let alone go from uh, Division One to, to the Premier League. That, that's how it feels wow. at the moment. Wow. Uh, and a lot of that is, um, you know, looking at it sort of holistically. So, you know, it's, it's family, it's, uh, well, it's family and it's work and it's friendships, really. Uh, it's those three, three things and they're all going, for me, at this moment in time, brilliantly. It's Friday. Uh, I stayed at a, a, over in a nice hotel last night. Um, I'm working effectively for part of my own business and uh, I'm here with you guys. So, you know, I'm buzzed. Amazing. Buzzed. Brilliant. I'm I love buzzed that too. championship yeah, to man. Premier League. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't know about that, would you? No, I said Div 1 to uh, Premier League. Yeah, so I fucking yeah, wouldn't so know about so it. So I bypassed the championship. I would know about it, by the way. We were in in the first fucking season of the Premier League, Swindon. That was a I'll good, have you know. We moment. were known as the worst team in the Premier League for years. Oh. But not anymore. No, oh, yeah. That's good. Just like you wouldn't know about the Champions League anymore, would you? Uh, not, it's not It's not over yet, mate. Right. It's not over yet. All right, mate. Yeah. yeah. Thursday night's Channel 5 for you next season, mate. I'll be mm. turning the TV off. <laughs> um, buzzed. I love that. Um, do you know, I was, I was thinking about this myself. And I would say that I, similarly, I'm feeling really good about life for me at the moment. It's busy, as I, you know, as I always say it is. Um, I feel like a broken record sometimes the way I talk about it on here. But um, but for me, um, I'm I'm very proud of like what I've been doing around my own personal development, and it's paying dividends. I feel better. Um, I think I'm uh, I'm more present at home. I'm I'm I've got more clarity at work. I think the energy that is probably the the yin to that yang is a couple of friends are going through some real personal things at the moment, and I'm really feeling it. So my compassion for them is actually pulling my energy a little bit and I'm sort of I'm, I'm really conscious of what they're going through and I just just want to make sure that they I'm there for them they know I'm there for them but also a big part of my personality type I think is that I want to solve stuff for people I want to fix stuff and when I can't do that I it really gets to me so I'm sort of that's what I'm playing with at the moment today um, and then on top of that we'll get we'll get into this because I think it's it um it it will come it will become clear later but uh, when I feel like I've got a responsibility, like today I'm hosting, so I feel like I'm responsible for making sure this is a good session, I get a bit anxious. Yeah. So I didn't sleep brilliantly yesterday, and then an, it was an early drive in because of the train strike. So there's just a little bit of tiredness, jadedness as well. 
Um, but overall, super happy and delighted that the three of us are here on a Friday. And do you know what, though? It's quite big that you say that you get anxious, man, because... I've like I've known you. I don't know how many years now, but I would never have said that about you at the beginning. I'd, if somebody said, "Does he get anxious?" I'd be like, "No, it has one of them who just don't get anxious." But I feel like you've sort of over, and I might be wrong here, but like over like the last couple of years, I feel like you've opened up to that a little bit more. Yeah, and not that you were hiding it previously, but more that it was probably buried and protected in a few different ways. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you showed up to life a bit differently, but you yeah. sort of. I was less aware of it, definitely. Yeah. Um, but let's leave that because I think that that's going to be important up. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we're going to go next is uh, a segment I like to call Complete the Sentence. Good, what, good well thought out title. Thank you, man. I know you like uh, well thought out titles. <laughs> <laughs> we should do it more often for yourself, for your segments. <laughs> so complete the sentence. So basically, I will share for the listeners that I have shared with um, Ed and Josh some sentence starters. And each of us has to complete the sentence. So I'm going to start with you, Josh. All right. Let's do this. I've not overthought these purposely. Yeah. Okay. All right. I cringe every time I think about. This one is maybe a little bit of a boring answer, but it's true. I cringe when I think about the content that I was making <laughs> maybe two or three years ago. Like, it really makes me cringe. I saw one of them recently, actually, I have to say. Did I you? cringed. What did you? <laughs> what one was it? What it was, was it? I can't, it was, you had that funny background that you used to put behind you. Uh, so I bought this thing off eBay. Yeah. £10 and it looked like a tie-dye. Colourful of, bricks in yeah. the background. Yeah, yeah. And I used to stand in front and of And you were sort of like, you were like, I can't remember, but you're like, this is going to change your life. <laughs> I am Josh Connolly. <laughs> and like, there's obviously the content's all there. You can find it if you look hard and it comes up. No one's and, got that time, Josh. Uh, no, but some people, so like somebody said to me the other day, I decided to go right back to the first ever YouTube video you, you did and start working through them. And I was like, fuck, man. And then I thought about it and I thought, oh my God. Because do you remember I used to do Freedom Friday? And then there was a picture of me going like that. And then I used to do this like a thing that I'd found on iMovie to, oh my God. But the flip side of that is it was all part of getting to where I am now. Oh, come on. And it shows progression, man. But you cringe. Yeah. I think if you don't cringe at what you were saying a year ago, you ain't working hard enough on yourself. Oh, look at that. Bosh. It's deep, man. Ed. Well, I did have one, but I've got two now. Okay. Um, uh, it's just following off from what Josh just said about... 20 years ago, so I was about one year qualified as a lawyer, um, we had a really difficult case up in uh, Thornaby near Middlesbrough. And the judge said, at the end of the day, he said, right, we're going to have to go into a second day. Can't be tomorrow. It never is the, the day after. Uh, what are the um, dates of unavailability? So everyone gave the dates of unavailability. And he said, right, okay, so I'm going to list it for the 28th of February. And I went, oh, that's my birthday. And the judge <laughs> looked at me as if to say, you absolute cretin. Why have you just told me that? Uh, and then just no one else reacted in the room. <laughs> Tumbleweed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, 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 but I mean, you know, similar to what I was doing 20 years ago. Um, it makes me, makes me cringe uh, in terms of a work perspective. But what I was going to say actually was, and it's quite apt having this microphone here, was... Um, the number of times, and believe me, there's a lot uh, uh, of, of times where I grabbed the microphone at a wedding and sang Robbie Williams' "Angels," and and sometimes I, you know, the go people, ahead now, Ed. Yeah, yeah. come on, no, you no, have a mic. Gosh, I, a mic. I, I can't. I, maybe at the end. Uh, <laughs> maybe at the end. Was, there was, I see it and wait. There was. <laughs> there's an angel. There's a. Um, uh, there was one occasion where. There wasn't actually a band, it was just a guy with a guitar that was singing and I just went and got the just a bit of acapella. Is that what it's called? Acapella, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and I, it, I mean, I was shit as well. You know, I'm not a good singer. I think I am at the time. We all do. So, uh, yeah, that makes me cringe a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we, we, we are going to have to have angels at some point. We maybe maybe mate, not make you do it today. All but three of us will do it at the this end. This video I is don't know the words, around. but I can make... Oh, fuck off, you don't know the words. I know the, know the chorus, maybe. We'll Honest? I know bits of it, but you... Uh, word for word, mate. I know it word for word. I love a bit of Robbie. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I, I cringe every time I think about Louise, the designer, who was a bit older than me. Let me just tell you a bit more. You're looking... Like, <laughs> I'm excited so, for this so This was, was a long time ago. Um, she was a designer 
and older than me, very attractive. I thought, wow, I'm definitely punching above my weight. And we started dating, maybe two or three dates, and it was going really well. And um, I was like, oh, wow, this is like amazing. Like I've, I've met this very attractive woman who's older than me, like, like I'm winning at life. So we're dating a little bit. And then she had a birthday coming up. We only had went on about two or three dates, right? So we weren't boyfriend or girlfriend or anything like that, but she had a birthday. So I was like, okay, this is going well. I'm quite, I was probably about, I don't know, 20 maybe. All right. How old is she? Or is that coming in the story? Uh, she was about 25, 26, okay. like a bit older. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so she had a birthday. So she was like a designer and she made, she made like children's books. So she actually used to do like the prototypes. So she would do like sewing and stuff like that. She said, oh, she always used to get like, like, needles would prick, prick her finger so I was like okay listen to that we used to we both shared a, a memory of watching something as kids so uh it was called monkey magic and it was like this sort of tv show and um so I thought, oh, okay I'm, I want to show I'm a good listener and I'm a good listener and that's why I'm a coach right but her birthday came up and I bought her a thimble <laughs> 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 I'm cringing now. I bought a thimble and I bought a a DVD of of that show we used to watch, Monkey. <laughs> hang on, it. hang on, hang on. Hang on. It's not, it's not over. That's not it. I made her a compilation. <laughs> <laughs> of what? Just sort of romantic your songs. last three dates yeah no what, on like a burn music cd complaint. yeah 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 like yeah, a yeah. burn cd yeah, yeah but i burned a oh, cd <laughs> yeah i burned a cd and then i thought oh they're a bit cheap so i bought her some perfume as well so four gifts three dates she started to ghost me after that <laughs> did she ghost friend, you proper after friend zoned friend zoned yeah. <laughs> cringe just thinking about it friend zoned yeah but you know what a bit like you josh if that hadn't have happened, I would never have met, you know, the love of my life today. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's very good, mate. It, it's, it, that's oh, very good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool, that's made me cry a bit. I hope she listens. <laughs> I hope she doesn't, man. What's her name? Louise. Yeah, yes, what's her name? name? No, no, no. No, no, no. In exchange for Robbie? I'll do a bit of Robbie. You can <laughs> no, 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 okay. no, no, no. No, Never gonna happen. Okay, so. If I had a time machine, oh, this is coming to you, Ed. If I had a time machine, I'd. Um, I would go back to a uh, time in life where we didn't have tech. And, and the reason I say that is because I was listening to a podcast and it was people who were a lot younger than us. Um, I can't remember which one it was now, but they're a lot younger than us. And they said that they had watched the film American Pie. Do you remember it? Do you, yeah. Have you seen yeah. it? Yeah. And they said, what an amazing time that must have been to be alive, like late 90s. Um, they were like, nobody had phones. It, was, it looked like such fun. I thought, well, life wasn't quite like American Pie, but it wasn't far off at times. I mean, maybe it still is now for people, for young people. Um, and I thought did to you, myself- Do you enjoy apple pie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was you bang on the warm apple pie back then? Was you? <laughs> Can we cut that bit out? <laughs> Um, so I think I'd, I'd probably go back and appreciate what life was like uh, without it. Now, I'm not one of these people that thinks we should get rid of it because I think it's absolutely, in the main, brilliant. You know, it lets us do things like this. It let, you know, I would never have met Josh. Uh, I wouldn't be here today without, without technology. Uh, but I do think that it sucks the joy out of life at times and it sucks the presence out of life. And, yeah. um, you know, if, if we could go back to that and everyone could see what it was like, maybe we would change our habits a bit uh so yeah the um uh the philosophy of that guy that mo is it mo gowda yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he he thinks that you know if you get to a, a place of total happiness then you would never change anything in the past he even talks about losing his son doesn't he and, and how yeah how that happened for a reason and he's he's now at peace with that um so whether you know whether it would be sensible to try and go back and, and do things differently i'm not sure but yeah i'd probably um probably go to a life to, uh, that didn't involve tech. I, do you know, I, I can really resonate with that because, you know, we're all parents, you know, we're all dads here sitting, sit, sitting here today and uh, you sort of see how technology is, it's just what our kids know, right? They've grown up with yeah. it. We, we didn't grow up with it and then we've adopted it into our lives, right? So it's probably a bit easier for us to go, you know, I remember what it was like before that. 
well, for a lot of our kids, it's just part, it's just part of the day-to-day -day, um, life. And at the weekend, we played Monopoly. And it was like just seeing them interact and try and be entrepreneurial and try and they both, uh, I, I lost, by the way. I got, I got obliterated by my kids. And I was, wouldn't let that they gang Well, what? You wouldn't let them obliterate me? No, wouldn't let them Thank fucking you, beat Josh. me. Yeah. We ain't playing anymore. Listen, I, I had to you know, <laughs> let them win. I had to let them win. But yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Yeah. But mine is not so noble. My, uh, if you I go had back a time to machine, with it'd go back to Louise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not by those yeah, persons. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make the CD. <laughs> Um, if I had a time machine, I'd put the hundred pound I was going to put on Liverpool beating Barcelona four nil in 2019. It was a hundred to one. Instead, I put it on five, on five one. So I lost out on ten grand basically. What? Sorry, what was the score? Four nil. Yeah. And you put it on five one. Yeah. So, so basically, pound on it. So it was. So for those that aren't into football, which I imagine there are lots of people. We had lost 3-0 at Barcelona. It was the second leg. They were coming to Anfield. It was highly unlikely that we were going to win that I game. I remember it yeah. well, man, yeah. And I had 100 quid left in, in Paddy Power uh, in my account. So I thought, I'm going to go for it. And so I hovered over 4-0 thinking, oh, no, there's definitely no way Barcelona aren't scoring at Anfield. So I went for 5-1 and I lost 100. If I'd put it on 4-0, yeah. 100 to 1 on 100 Where would quid. you be now? With that not, not here, not with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I, I I sort of don't want to argue. I think Ed's come up with the best one. I've been thinking. I, I, I follow Nicky Blackmarket on Instagram. Yeah, and he's still out there DJing, right? And he was doing a he was uh, he was doing like a rave on a boat recently. Yeah, it fucking like and it, he kept doing these like he was doing a live of him DJing, and everyone there just had their phone out. And if you mm. look at like mm. videos on when I used to go to Brunel rooms and that, and it was Sidewinder and Valve Sound. Like we, we didn't have phones then. You had them, but there was no reason to have it out because it was like just Nokia first two tens and that. Yeah. So you had a horn, and you were just yeah, in, the in the music, the man. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, I, I love that one. I mean, look, the one that I'd give, and I'm not going to bother talking about it because it'd be a bit of a waste of time. But uh, would I'd love to go back to when Paolo Di Canio was at Swindon and relive that again. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on from that. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to do one more, and but we'll do we'll do this quickly. Um, if, if I could fix one thing about the world, it would be. You want me to go? Mine's a bit serious. And it's one that I would always say. Go if I could it. fix one thing about the world, I, I would open up everybody's eyes to the need to invest properly in children and young people. I think the root of all problems in our society, or most problems in our society, from mental health to, well, all mental health really, well-being, the way that we approach the world is because I think we have completely lost the importance of those formative years in the family, supporting the children and the families, all of that stuff. We've got so lost in thinking that the goal is to become so super successful and we have to get both parents back to work as quickly as we can. I just think we've forgotten the importance of that. Yeah. So that's like yeah. in a nutshell, that is what I would change. Mine's very close. Ed. Yeah, mine's a bit serious actually for this one. Um, I, I, I struggled uh, uh, an awful lot with the medical system and the, the, big, the biggest issue for me was this separation between body and mind. Uh, so, you know, I, I went to the doctors many, many, many times and there's a whole, whole podcast to talk about this. Uh, so I won't go into too much detail now, but between the ages of like 19 through to uh, about 37, I went to the doctors and I was told all of these, um, given all these, these different diagnoses of uh, anxiety and depression and all these other, other different things. And then they looked at these physical symptoms that I was suffering from and, the, and because all the anxiety medication and antidepressant medication wasn't working. So they looked at the physical symptoms and focused just on the physical symptoms, as I suppose I did as well, which was like, you know, light sensitivity, uh, head pressures, uh, feeling very dizzy and sick and all the rest of it. And I saw different specialists. I saw consultants around the eyes. I saw consultants um, uh, around the brain. I had two MRI scans. And none of those people, and I'm not criticizing, I'm really not, because I think things are changing, but none of those people asked me how I was doing. Nobody said, right, let's, let's talk about what your normal day looks like and let's, mm. let's talk about what, how, how you think, how you feel. Um, everybody, you know, just 
thought that it was some unexplained physical problem. And, you know, three years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, ADHD and I'm on medication for that now. And that's really, really, I mean, completely changed my life, I have to say. Uh, yeah, I was prescribed all these different medications for because they thought I was anxious and depressed and they, none, none of that worked. And because that didn't work, they, you know, looked and focused just on, on physical health and no, nobody bothered to, to once even think that it, it might be worthwhile seeing a psychiatrist. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, was, I do, man. It was, and, and I think that if we uh, lived in a world where the brain was treated as, a, as an organ in the same way as the heart, um, because it's, I think, is it the most powerful or uh, after the heart, the most powerful organ? I'm not sure. Um, and, and we looked at how people were feeling, how they were thinking, how they were living their lives, what happened to them when they were younger, um, if you know spaces were created so people feel heard, then you know I think that the that the world could be a really really different place. Um, so yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, like I just don't, um, I just don't really see a world where that changes, but it so needs to. Yeah. And and connected to yours, I won't spend much time on this. But connect, my one was schools. Actually, yeah. it was it was it was we we get it so wrong in the beginning, right? And and I think when we when we look at children, and you've often talked about this, when somebody uh, needs uh, the people in authority to look beyond what they're seeing and seeing what could be possible as causes or symptoms or indications as to why somebody might be um, behaving in a particular way. It's not that they're just disruptive. So much possibility gets created out of that, having a different approach. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. So our main sort of topic of conversation um, today, I wanted to bring around, um, well, so just, just to say, we're recording on a Friday because normally we, we would record next week, but next week is Mental Health Awareness Week and it's part of Mental Health Awareness Month, right? Is that right? I don't know, man. I know it's definitely Mental Health Awareness Week, and then I think people just broaden it to a month because it they can't fit what they want. Everything to do in, in a week, week yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I think. And the theme uh, for this year is anxiety. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it's a really important um, conversation to ha uh, to have for us because it's, I think it's often misunderstood. Um, Ed, just um, before we sort of jump in. Um, do you sort of mind sharing with our listeners what sort of law you specialise in and um, your approach to today's conversation? Um, okay, well, I'm an employment lawyer, uh, so specialise in um, uh, all things to do with the Equality Act. Uh, also, you know, equal pay, uh, sexual harassment, discrimination, um, unfair dismissals, uh, contract claims, but anything to do with the employer-employee relationship is something... Uh, that people would come to me for. I principally act for employers, principally, um, because they've got deeper pockets. Sometimes you would uh, act for a claimant if they were insured, but otherwise uh, they can't really afford uh, to instruct firms like like mine, which is a problem with the system, which we could uh, we could talk about um, at a different time, perhaps. But yeah, uh, and then you know, in terms of coming at this conversation uh, around anxiety, I guess I I've had my own. Um, diagnosis of anxiety in the past and and, and it, it didn't work for me this diagnosis of anxiety and this medication that, that I was given I was given diazepam for for about 15 years actually um, because that was the only thing that seemed to uh, to help these uh, these physical symptoms that I was um, uh, that I was complaining of but the uh, you know the way that, I, that I'm coming at this uh, at this conversation really is you know I, I, I'm not exactly certain what anxiety is. I don't know if it's adrenaline. Uh, I, I, you know, this morning, for example, I couldn't get the bath to stop running in the uh, hotel. There was all these different knobs and I'm like an idiot. Um, and I, I was pressing, the, twisting the wrong knob and the bath was like fl um, filling up really, really quickly. And I thought this place is gonna flood. I'm on the sixth floor, this is typical. It's just gonna bloody flood. And I started to panic. Um, and I could feel, there was like a rising panic within me. I could feel it, right? I'm so and avoiding I, jokes here. And I, you flooding a hotel with the wrong knob in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm thinking to myself, 
Well, is that is that anxiety? Well, no, it's not. It's just it's situational, isn't it? I mean, or, or is anxiety, is it worry? Um, I mean, if you've got nothing to be worried about, yet you're still feeling anxious, is that when the problem, uh, uh, when we've got a problem? Because I worry quite a lot about quite a lot of things, less than, less than I used to. Um, but if we're having a conversation around what do you worry about, then... You know, I can I, I can talk about how I how I deal with the things that are on my mind. But if we're talking about the anxiety that I feel, which is it hits me like a train, and I'm not expecting it, and it's all physical. Josh and I talked about this quite a bit. I don't even like using the word anxiety because I think anxiety uh, is um, uh, is thought of as something's happened to you externally and therefore you're anxious. This, this isn't. I, I get sometimes literally just hit by a train. I am absolutely exhausted. I don't know why. I start to think about things that, uh, you know, from the past and whatever, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. I try and look back. I think, well, have I had a coffee at the wrong time? What have I eaten? Do I need some sugar? You know, why, why do I uh, all of a sudden feel in this way? Um, and I get really frustrated about it. I think, you know, everything's going great. Why am I all of a sudden having all these physical feelings of anxiety? Is there something underlying here? Um, so, um, yeah, I can't, what was the question? I can't actually remember. <laughs> but I've talked about anxiety in that yeah. way, by the way. Yeah, right? yeah, almost, yeah. Almost yeah. Ex what, exactly the same. What, 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 what makes you anxious, Josh? I think this is the thing. It relates a little bit to what Ed was just saying. When we talk about anxiety, right, we often think about being worried or concerned or something like that. Anxiety to me is is a very, very physical feeling, right? It's a feeling in my body. And actually it's a feeling in my body first before I start to rationalize and attribute something to it. That's normally the case. But I feel most anxious, not when i am got loads of stuff going on. Actually, when there's a bit of a crisis, I feel quite at home, right? I feel like I'm in control. There's things I can do. We're in a crisis. I'm going to sort it out. I feel most anxious when everything's just exactly how it should be. Right, and everything's done and actually I've got time now. If I wanted, I could kick back and just enjoy the moment. That's for me when the anxiety really starts to kick in. Yeah, Because I grew up in an environment in those formative years when my brain was developing systems and all of the things that it needed to, when it was quiet and silent like that, something was about to happen. So my body would get itself prepared and it would make sense that my body got itself into fight or flight and into that state where I was hyper alert and hyper vigilant. It made perfect sense for me to do that when I was a kid. It, the, the problem is, is that I, my body and my brain still does that as, in an adult, as an adult. So, so all of the work that I do or so much of the work that I do on myself is about trying to be able to settle and calm my body and my nervous system in those moments. And you, I cannot do that by rationalizing. Yeah, I cannot do that by just going, calm. I should be calm here. I should be relaxed. Everything's fine. This is why, listen, loads of people have got some amazing stuff out of doing CBT. That's why it don't work for me because I fucking did CBT all my life. I looked at situations, tried to look at them from a better angle and my body still fucking went crazy. Yeah. which is what my anxiety is. And I think that's one of the big misconceptions of anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, and the reason I didn't want to dive into it in our intro was you, you saying I would never have known you to feel anxious is because I've, I've made it my mission to, for nobody to see my anxiety. I, from a very early age, I hid it. Probably so much so that I hid it even from myself. And so what happens is it's not that I'm not feeling anxious. It's just you'll never know about it. So the problem with that sort of energy is if it's not leaving in any particular way, it's just bouncing around my body and it's just making me more and more and more anxious. But the way I sort of deal with it is just, okay, we'll just get on with stuff, right? And But I've really started to feel uh, in the last years that I've understood it myself a bit more than I did in the past is it manifests in particular ways. So I, I become less present um i can't really sort of focus on uh like my relationships at home if we're about to kind of head out somewhere even if it's just down for a walk to the beach i start to get a bit anxious about stuff so i'm back and forth from the bathroom like and, yeah. I, and i don't need it it's just that's definitely i haven't drunk like 17 pints of water it's just it's just that sort of even if we're just going for a little walk, that's what's going on. Because I'm probably going, what's going to happen? There's probably a bit of, is, is there danger? I know it's not rational. I know there's no danger, but there's sort of stuff that's going on. And I realized that um, in the past, I didn't even associate. I didn't associate what's going on. And uh, I can be more grumpy. Oh. I, can, I can be like um, short, snappy, like that sort of stuff. 
you lot would never see that. Not unless it was re it was really hard. I, it, it only goes to the ones that I feel I can be like that with. Yeah, I, that uh, that I love, and that's fucked up, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and also it keeps you alone, right? Yeah, because you're turning up, showing up. I'm fine. Everything's good. You're not even saying that, right? You're just getting on with the day. Bang, bang, bang. We're we're nailing. We're nailing. And you're alone. You're completely alone with the way that you feel because you can't communicate it to people. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big problems. Yeah. When I went to university aged 18, um, I, I couldn't wait, absolutely could not wait to get going. And you know, I was yeah, enjoying the party scene, all the rest of it. And I actually became incredibly anxious, completely unexpectedly, incredibly anxious. Now, I wouldn't use the word anxious, actually, um, or I wouldn't have done it at the time. I would have used the word paranoid, um, which was excessively worried about something that the, where, where there was nothing to be worried about. Um, and, you know, I used to think that people were looking at me in a strange way. I used to think that people were out to get me. I used to, you know, I didn't trust people. And I remember sharing it with somebody, well, with two of my really, really close friends uh, at the time. And, and they both said something similar, which was, don't be so ridiculous. You know, you, you're, you, why would anyone want you? And, you know, you've been, you've been stupid. Da, da, da. And now they were saying those things from an absolutely the best possible place because they wanted me to realise that I was completely talking nonsense and it was all uh, in my imagination. But what I heard was, don't talk to me about that again because it's so fucking stupid. And therefore I didn't. I didn't talk to anyone yeah. about it for years. In fact, you know, Josh started coaching me um, when I was 40. And I, I probably didn't tell you about it until, until you know, we, we'd, we'd gone some way into our uh, coaching sessions because I, I really blocked it out of my mind because it was almost like shameful that I would feel like that. So, and, and now now I can look back on it and reflect and I can realise that it was all completely, uh, you know, made up and, and, and in my imagination. But at the time, it was so, so real to me. Having said that, I told this story to the psychiatrist who treats me for ADHD. And I said, I went to the doctors, because uh, I was so worried. I went to the doctors um, and the doctor had, it was a very, very junior doctor, GP, had a camcorder set up in the corner of the room saying, it's my first year, you don't mind, I'm recording everything. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this, this she's one of them. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I was telling that story to the psychiatrist and he said, well, why did you go to the doctors? He said, why don't you go to the police? And I said, because I knew, I knew at the deepest level, I knew it wasn't right. I knew that I was imagining it all. It wasn't rational. But, yeah, yeah, it wasn't rational. So, you know, um, but and, until he said that to me, I'd never once thought that um, I, I was really in danger. Do you know and, what I mean? Uh, and, and do you know one thing, right, that's important just to pick up on something that Ed said there? We were talking about this a little bit before we came in, but when you start to describe what we're talking about here is like the human experience but on a deep level and when i think when you start to try and attribute words to it it becomes problematic because it doesn't fully describe your experience and like even when you try and talk about it you still can't fully describe your experience i get it a lot online yeah because what i try to do is like go right rather than just go, putting that in a box and saying it's anxiety let me try and describe what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, what I'm seeing, what I think when this is happening, right? And I'll sometimes get people comment and they go, oh, that's anxiety. Or I'll be talking about something else and they go, oh, that's this word. And I go, yeah, but like, I know that it's that word, but that word doesn't cover everything that I'm saying. Mm. And sometimes I'll say, you know, you somebody can say, you know, oh, I've never experienced anxiety. I mean, I get a bit overwhelmed when this happens. And then they go on to describe and I'd go, well, that's fucking what I would... Do you say know? anxiety is. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. words don't, they don't cover what we're talking about. And I think it, when you talk like that and you share exactly what you're going through, that seems to really resonate with people because yeah. often they'll see the word like anxiety and they'll just gloss over it because it's like, it, 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 it doesn't fully describe what they're going through. When you start talking about facing, you're in the utility room and you have to like lock yourself away and face the wall or whatever people like really that can they can really resonate with that because it's like oh I, that's exactly how i feel and i didn't know how to articulate it but what i want to do is obviously our personal experiences are really important um and for many of our listeners they'll be sort of being able to resonate and 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 it will it will resonate with them but i'm, I'm curious to sort of know what what do we think are some of the 
um, misconceptions about anxiety. It, like it's been picked as the theme. Therefore, it's been identified as something that is very prevalent in our society today. So what are some of the misconceptions and and or stigmas around kind of anxiety? And why might people with, withhold what they're feeling within the workplace? So that's quite a big question. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with one misconception that I see is that anxiety is a problem that needs fixing. As in, we have like pathologized it. So if you feel anxious, you have a problem and we need to stop your anxiety. Whereas actually, like we need to feel it, right? We feel it for a reason. And sometimes we overfeel it and we feel it too much. And I think nearly in, in nearly every case, that's because at some level in our life, our nervous system got fucked up. Yeah, and so now it reacts, overreacts when it don't need to. But it's not, like you, if if you are worrying about paying the bills, or you're worrying about your job security, your financial security, and you feel anxious, that ain't a problem. That's what you fucking should feel. Mm. Like, because if you didn't, you wouldn't do anything about it. And so sometimes that big misconception of pathologizing it and going, some people, you hear them literally, they go, yeah, so I was really worried about losing my job. And then I, it turned out I had anxiety as well. And it's like, no, how, why are we separating them? Like, like yeah. you, you're worried about losing your job and now you've got anxiety. Like, you know, we separate them and pathologize them and then we lose the context. Yeah. And then we go, I'm fucking lose, might lose my job and now I'm broken and I'm flawed as well. Yeah. And separation like that, I think is a problem. And I, I, look, I still think that Western, uh, the Western kind of model does that too much for a lot of different reasons, by the way. Conscious of time, I really want to bring Ed in. And just in terms of what you see in terms of your work, but also how, you know, you as a, as a, as a man, as a human being as well. Well, from a work perspective, um, I think lots of employers and employees are all anxious. I think that, you know, the employers are anxious about not getting things wrong um, because of the threat of the legal system. They're anxious about keeping the shareholders happy. They're anxious about making enough money to pay the bills and pay the staff. The staff don't feel valued and don't feel part of it. And that creates um, a disconnect, which creates anxiety. Uh, and, you know, when you've got disconnect, conflict arises. So I just think the whole thing is a perfect storm, really. And I think that, you know, the way in which uh, our culture is set up from an employer and employee perspective. I mean, if you, if you go right back to the, um, uh, the, his the history of employment law, uh, it derives from a master-servant relationship. You've got somebody who is subservient to, to a master telling them what to do. And it really isn't that different now. I mean, no matter what, what um, you know, how, how many Fridays the, the, the boss brings in a fruit bowl, there's still a, a, a subservient relationship. And I don't know if you've um, uh, uh, come across the book by Johan Harry, um, The Truth About Anxiety and Depression, that's not Lost the title. Connections. Lost Connections. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he talks about how the workplace, having having a meaningful, uh, a meaningful input into the workplace, uh, reduces stress and anxiety and, and, uh, and depression. And he cites a study in, um, uh, in America where there was a bike shop and the, uh, the people who worked in the bike shop together, they all left because they hated the environment. Um, the boss was a bit of a bully. Uh, he might, you know, he may have been struggling himself, who knows. Mm -hmm. But he, um, they, they all left and they set up a cooperative and they all owned it equally. And even if you decided not to own it and just be a member of staff, you still got to go to every single senior meeting and you got to participate. And apparently, you know, it changed the, the way in which these um, uh, individuals uh, it, in the way in which they were enjoying their lives because they didn't feel repressed. And I just think that, you know, we, we put such a huge amount of responsibility on employers to try and fix all of this. Well, it's a system, isn't it, that, mm. that's, that, that's broken. And I've I'm, I'm not got a better one. I'm not saying that everyone should be in a cooperative. I look at my firm now, my, my firm, it's, you know, everybody is equal. Everyone owns their own business unit. Uh, everybody's there because they believe in themselves and they want, you know, the, the, the firm to do well. There's no, it, people don't compete against each other. And it is an amazing, amazing environment compared to a sort of traditional law practice, which is, you know, you've got all the equity partners at the top who, you know, will compete against each other or look at what each other's doing. And, um, you know, there might be remarks about people's contributions, that kind of thing, um, which is, you know, as human beings, they, they do that, don't they? That, that's, a that's a really interesting point. And I just want to dig into that, you know, uh, for a few minutes. It's and before you do, we can go 10 minutes over, can't we? A few minutes, okay, we will, Good, all yeah. right. Um, Five okay. Minutes, all right. right. Um, the, you know, 
the likelihood is that we're still going to have this sort of infrastructure that we're all you know familiar with which is you know a triangle with the fewer at the top sort of managing kind of um uh you know those beneath them so setting the demands and 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 driving that so i'm really curious as to uh, where where does the role of employer end and where does it, it where does it begin uh, for us as individuals? Um, my point of view is um, is uh, just, you know the conversation now is really pushing a lot towards what the employer should be doing, and I equally believe that you know in in all of the work that I do that change starts from within first. So you've got, you know so I'm curious as to what you guys think. Well, the legal answer is in terms of where does it end? Uh, if there's an event, for example, that's determined to be what's called an extension of the workplace, then the employer is responsible. So, you know, if there's a drinks event, if this, if I was an employee and this was organised by my employer and you guys sexually harassed me, my employer would be responsible. Uh, and that's quite a that's quite a burden, isn't it, for for the employer to carry that amount of responsibility? And you can see why, you know, people are uh, employers are less inclined now to have the parties and the free drinks and all that because they're on the hook for it um what if you harass us with a rendition of angels by robbie williams uh, it'll be a treat <laughs> i'll be suing yeah <laughs> is it like to give you an analogy right because i see this now yeah with i, I work with organizations a lot right and i work with the leaders and then i work with the people of businesses right and i can see i see it from both sides yeah i see it from both sides i see sometimes like um employers saying we are providing all of this stuff where where is it like, where does it stop being our responsibility? And we have to kind of say, you know, if you're not going to, if you're, if you're not going to take everything that we're giving you, then maybe this isn't the right role for you. Right. Mm. Like I sort of always try to use this analogy and you tell me from a legal perspective very quickly, if you think this is fair. Um, it's almost like if you're providing the non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. If the person who's gone sober turns up at work and drinks the beer and doesn't drink the non-alcoholic beer, then surely that's on them and that's the, you know, you've done the right thing. If, if, if you're providing donuts at lunchtime, but you also provide fruit and somebody decides to eat the fucking donut, like what more can the employee do? Yeah. Th th these are metaphors that I'm giving you. Like if you're providing the, the, the space for a little bit of one-to-one, -one, if you give access to therapy uh, and you make sure that like things are all that, but you've got quite a busy work life because you're up against it and we're going into a recession potentially and all that sort of stuff. Like, if that person then still has problems, is that where the line is? Well, the legal answer is that the employer has uh, to make a place safe, of, a safe place of work for its em employees. Uh, so whether it's got a bowl of donuts and and, uh, and a bowl of fruit out. Um, uh, if it's got them both or just one or the other, I'm not sure it would fall foul of the law. I think people do need to take personal responsibility. I think lots and lots of people uh, are always looking for somebody to blame. You know, my, my my profession might be to blame for that because, you know, where there's blame, there's a claim. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I think that people, yeah, I think people need to take personal responsibility. But I also think... You know, why are people overeating the donuts? Why are people uh, drinking uh, too much alcohol? There's much, much, much deeper reasons, much, you know, society and often reasons. And that's wider, wider than the business, right? Or, or, almost and always that's, that's wider kind, than the That's business. kind of my yeah. point, because I do feel that sometimes, I know we've got to be really quick. I do feel like sometimes, like, what I hear people saying is, my company offers the fruit and the donuts, but... My craving for the donuts is so strong. The company should stop offering the donuts and only fruit because I've got an addiction. Yeah, but that's not metaphorically. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, but that, I mean that's not right, is it? You can't expect everyone to change the behaviour for you. You just can't. And I mean, I've yeah, changed yeah. my own behaviour. You know, I yeah. don't drink alcohol anymore. I don't. I don't go to the places that I used to go to. Um, you know, I don't go to the work events that I used to go to. And if I do, I I, I duck off early. Yeah. Um, just one final point about about employers. I actually think that. You know, a bit like a driving license, right? You know, you, it, the, the, there's laws of the road. You have to take a test to uh, to drive a car and get a driving license. To be an employer, you don't have to take any tests whatsoever. And there's far more, uh, well, I'm guessing, uh, more more laws than there are uh, laws on the road. Uh, and you can really ruin people's lives as a as an employer if you do it wrong. And there are some rogue employers, toxic employers, like there are toxic parents, Josh. Uh, but that's not the majority. The majority are employers trying to get it right. Uh, and and the, the biggest problem, you know, you talk uh, or you hear a lot about 
massive employers getting it wrong, whether it be you know IKEA quite quite recently in the harassment stuff. But the, but they're, they're not the big problem. The big problem is the small employers that can't afford the HR director or can't really even afford the, the outsourced HR advice, mm. and they're just literally winging it. And sometimes they'll wing it for years and decades without a problem, mm. and all of a sudden it will unravel with one particular case. Uh, and I think that if we showed some more support, I was on a podcast before, and a, 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 the, the person asked me how much training do HR professionals get in autism? I said, well, none. I said, there's nine protected characteristics. You can't discriminate on the grounds of age, sex, race, disability, sexual orientation. That's five. I can't remember the four right now. Mm -hmm. But and then, you know, autism is is one tiny part of disability. You've got mental disabilities, physical disabilities. And within um, within both of them, you've got hidden disabilities and it is a hidden disability. So to think that a HR professional would be trained on autism is um, uh, is fantasy, really. I mean, and, and that's that's another topic, you know, that we could dive into that we certainly won't be won't be able to today but you know um when you when you're responsible for people in an organization um th- there's no real certification process there's, there's there's nothing that you need to qualify as there is something that hr folks do but it's it's voluntary you know you you, you can you can go through life as i did in my hr career for, for quite a while without having it you know um whereas if you're an accountant or if you're a lawyer you have to kind of pass the bar or you have to pass the acca so it's a really interesting thing we have got so much more to talk about what we've run out we of time. We definitely need to do a round we two of this, man. We will do a round two. But definitely with you, Ed. You've been very, see, good one to have in the corner, this one. Lawyer, employment lawyer. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get yourself into trouble. I've got, a fucking very, I've got a very clever circle. <laughs> um, and I joke, Ed's very, with me and Ed are very, very good friends, by the way, to say very, very quickly. Um, and it's like powerful, to really, to watch the change and all that and grateful to know you and be part of it as well, so... Yeah, well, thank thank you. you. Listen, it's been great. Really, really enjoyed it. And I'd love to come down again. Brilliant. Well, the mic's yours now for Angels. So uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. play us out. (laughs) (laughs) I see them (laughs) way. Ed, thank you so much. Oh, he's cut me off already. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for coming in. Um, Can I just do the cringe question again (laughs) from the beginning very quickly? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Brilliant to have you on. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Great, thank you. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kyle.